All right, start recording, start recording. Yep, just, just get on there, just start recording. Just start, just start recording, just start recording. Oh, we're doing this off the cuff, baby. Uh, what do you mean ready? We're already recording. I'm, I've, I've been recording. I'm in. I'm just saying I've just been recording. Oh, there you go, audience. Now you can listen to Jason. Hello. Wait, <laughs> why did you fade out, Kevin? <laughs> What you, because just cut out of my head. no, because I'm just I'm just throwing this all together. All right, well, okay, I'll do a proper intro, I guess. Um, hello, and welcome to Randomer Nintendo Five. I'm Jason, and across from me is the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin. Virtually across from me, you're not physically here, unless you want me to. I mean, do you want to drive over? You wanna you wanna do a podcast at twelve thirty twelve forty five? Uh, to clarify for the listener, AM. We're talking AM. Uh, no, I'm I'm good actually. Stay where you are. Stay where you are. Um, I know you just got home too, so stay where you are. But yes, it's it's just us. Uh, Angels couldn't get Angel couldn't get his schedule to work quite right for this episode, so it's just you and me for number five. It's, it's uh, JK with Jason and Kevin, episode two. Exactly, exactly. Throw back to that. Um, but how are you doing, Kevin? Like, we, we literally haven't caught up at all. We just dove right in. So how are, what, what's going on with you? Uh, I've been all right. I've, my man, I've got a busy two weeks ahead of me. And now iCloud will not let me sign in with the verification code that it's giving me, even though it's exactly. There we go. Where are you? Trust this computer. What were you trying to sign into? Are you signing into a new iDevice, even though they're not actually out yet, but they were announced mere days ago? No, I'm just trying to sign oh. into my iCloud. That's it. And so that That's I can see. Boring. So that I can see the, the doc, uh, the docket? What, what do we call this? Uh, the sure. The, the agenda, the topics, the docket, the, 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 the. Docket. Yeah, because the first, the, fir- the first, the it. first note yeah. that comes out of my iCloud notes is, uh, my family's, uh, Carl's Jr. orders. That was, Ordering Carl's Jr. That for seems the most important. So do you have when you okay, let me ask you this. So it sounds like they do, but do you have a go to? Like when you go to restaurants, do you have a specific thing you always order at each restaurant? Yes. The only times that I will switch it up is if said restaurant has something like new. Uh you know, like they're they're like one off like specialty burgers, like only available sure, for sure, one sure, sure. Yes. But yes, I yeah. do have that. I am the same way. I am the same way. Speaking of restaurants, I just want to throw this out there. Uh, I had Panda Express for dinner. Speaking of restaurants, which, you know, I'm currently eating. I won't be eating throughout the entire podcast, though. <laughs> well, let me... This is perfect. I'll, well, first of all, <clears throat> while we're talking about things that are disrupting our usual voices, while you're eating, if I sound especially nasally to anyone listening, I apologize. I've had something that isn't COVID, but I don't know what it is for, like, the past week. It was, like, a head cold mixed with, like, a flu. Oh, I don't really know what it was. Box. It might no, I don't think it's monkeypox, but um, whatever it is, I'm still coming down a little from it. So um, if my voice gives out, or if I sound particularly nasally, which I know is really a feat given my voice, um, that's what it is. But no, I was gonna say while you're while you're munching away there, I had Panda Express for dinner, where I also have a regular I tend to get, which includes the honey walnut shrimp, excellent always. Um, my fortune cookie didn't have a fortune in it. And then I was like, no, 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 no. This can't be right. So I grabbed a second fortune <laughs> cookie. That just means And death. it also <laughs> didn't have a fortune in it. I had two in a row without fortunes. That's very unfortunate. Literally. Oh, I'm good. You're, 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 we need, we need like a thing. But yeah, no, I was like, I don't know if that's putting me on a cursed path or what. But then like an hour later, I was playing Wordle. 
and I lost my streak for the first time in weeks. So I'm just saying, if I don't make it to the next episode, like if it just ends up being you and Angel from here on out, everyone knows why. It's because I got two empty Panda Express fortune cookies Rip. tonight. So it's like uh, I just wanted to put that out th- there. There was a show on ABC called Flash Forward. I don't know if you ever like heard. Oh of it or... yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I so I think I think it came out when I was in college. I think some of my housemates were watching it. Yeah, yeah. If I'm I I didn't see it, but the way that uh, a uh, classmate of mine described it when he was telling me about the show was essentially what happens is everybody in the world blacks out and they see mm-hmm. like they see like a thirty seconds like premonition of the future but there was some people that didn't actually see anything they just saw black and that just meant that they died within those 30 seconds that they uh that's that that's they were sad. blacked out because if you think right. it, it's almost like uh what do you call it uh infinity war when thanos snaps mm-hmm. everybody With the blip. yeah what if yeah. it's the pilot of what if the pilot of an airplane got snapped away yeah, you would probably die. Probably die. Very likely. Yeah. Or what if he just got two empty fortune cookies? Also very likely that you'll die. So it's worth noting there were three cookies in the bag and the third one did have a fortune, but I don't think that cancels out the first two. I think it just wasn't a, a final destination hat trick at that point. It was just, just shy of that. It was a twofer, but still. I was ready for um, you to tell me that Panda Express just got away from sticking fortunes in there. You know, at one point I considered it. So after the second one, I was like, this this can't be right. So I actually went on Twitter to look if, up. This is how my brain functions. I went on Twitter to see if other people were like, where's my fortune? And no one else was saying it. So I knew it was my fate, not Panda's uh, cost-cutting measures. It wasn't inflation that was to blame. It was just my destiny that was being spelled out for me. How much do you think a fortune um, cookie with the fortune costs Panda Express to make? It's got to be like pennies on the dollar, right? Like... That piece of paper, it's a piece of paper. It's got to be like a cent. I don't know. So even if they did remove them, but if you think about the the scale at which they produce these cookies, it could add up. Because then you also have to factor in there's Panda Express and there's the sit-down sister restaurant, Panda Inn, and that's just even more cookies that they can be saving paper on. Excuse me? They have a sister. They have a sister, a sister restaurant called Panda Inn that you sit down at. Like, it's not like an order at the, at the counter. It's like a, real restaurant with a waiter there's only like this, a few of them in the this world is the first time I've ever this is the thing yep there's one in, in Pasadena fact, I... and Glendale yep yeah we're making that, was some we're quick making that random Nintendo trip I hope you know that oh I'm down is it like well if I'm alive if I'm alive by the time we do it if my fortune isn't a bluff then yes I am down your take on menu holy they got pot stickers yeah. And steamed dumplings, yep. interesting. They're like a full-on Chinese restaurant, yeah. But they're not there. There's not very many of them. It's like, uh, you know, Panda Panda Express is like I'm trying to think of a Nintendo analogy. Panda Express is like a common Pokemon, and then Panda Inn is like when you stumble across like a shiny rare Pokemon. Yeah, and they're doing that thing where like, yeah, like regular size or like fam like a family. Oh, some of these prices mm-hmm. are a little bit. Thirty-one dollars. Oh, it has the pricing to go with it. thirty-one dollars for yeah. a family size portion of rice, fried rice. I need, you gotta I need, wonder I need to know if they're the, the same restaurant. Size. And you gotta wonder if they're the same restaurant. That means they have the same supplier, which means like the rice that costs only only a couple bucks at Panda Express. You just get four of them, and still would be like 
$20 cheaper than the Panda Inn. But I guess you're paying for the experience of sitting there. There is no stuff that they're overcharging for the experience. There's no way that they're going to give me a family sized <laughs> plate of fried rice and charge me $31 with most of that being the experience. I'm, I'm just saying if they're already removing, if they're not removing the papers from inside their fortune cookies to cut costs and they're definitely raising prices at the Panda Inn to make up their differences there <laughs> to make up some revenue. Um, this, yeah, this, anyways, this menu doesn't look that bad. No, I'm sure it's. I'm, I've never been to one. But I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's enjoyable. Well, we're gonna make that a. Uh, yes, we are. A family outing now. Yes, we are. A random screw Nintendo that, family that outing. Really, really nice ramen place that's near your house. We're going to. We're, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to pass it. We're going to do that, weren't we? We could do both. Just one meal at one, one meal at the other. The drive that's stuck in traffic in between will take the time between the two meals. It'll be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. And thus concludes our episode. Thanks for chit now. Um, yeah, thank you for actually was some... with uh, Jason and Kevin. <laughs> there actually was some stuff that was going on. Um, Apple had their event. Actually, before we even get to that, have you been playing anything? I feel like we still are or ultimately a video game related podcast. So, any games you want to talk about? Are there any games that you know what? I don't remember. But did I ever you... talk Spider Man on this podcast? No, not yet. Or not and... even. I didn't even talk Spider Man on the. On no, you never, you never talked Spider-Man. I don't think. Oh, so, no. so sure, I'll, I'll, I'll take a dabble at talking about Spider-Man. Um, Go for it. Yeah. Whoops. Since I never got a chance to talk about this game back when it came out on the PS4, um, yeah, about a month at at this point, it's about a month since it got released. But uh, PlayStation recently released the uh, remastered edition of Spider-Man on the PS4 on the PC. <clears throat> and it really reminded me how much I love that game. Uh, Spider-Man is by far my favorite superhero. Uh, is he yours? I think he is yours, right? He's up there. Yeah. I think Batman's kind of my favorite just because Christopher Nolan bias. Sure. But Spider-Man's definitely up there. Yeah. It's it's probably, yeah, Batman and Spider-Man, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. So, he's, 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 my, he's my guy, you know? And I think I can speak to... I can speak for a lot of like Spider-Man fans when they say that their fi- their favorite Spider-Man game was Spider-Man Two, the the tie-in movie game on the PlayStation Two. Um, that yeah, yeah. A lot of people do have fondness for game- the. Uh, was it on GameCube as well? Yeah, it was on GameCube. It was on GameCube. Well. Was on well. GameCube. Yeah, because I remember swinging around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it, was, it was multi-platform, and uh, I know a lot of people like those that uh, PS One uh, Spider-Man game and sequel. I never played that one, but. Uh, but I, I know those are like very revered. Um, but Spider Man Two, when that game came out, the web swinging in that was like groundbreaking. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it was like the first time in gaming where, or like in three D Spider Man uh, games, where Spider Man's webs would actually connect to the buildings, right? And you'd be building that momentum as you swing. That combat was yeah. simple, but it was fun. You know, it was. It was there were. You know, and there were some other Spider-Man games that ranged from like mediocre to okay. Um, Shadow Dimensions was a fun game that let you play as four different Spider-Man. Uh, that's where Spider-Verse got its influence from. That led to Into the Spider-Verse, actually. And then huh. uh, I didn't make that connection until just now. Yep, interesting. That makes sense, but I never made that connection. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, what was what was really interesting about that game is that each Spider-Man had their own sort of genre of game that you play through. Um, 
and then that that game was pretty good. And then there was a there's a like a sort of a, a pseudo sequel called uh, Shattered Across Time. I I forgot what it was called. Um, that one was pretty bad. And then you have some that are really fun, like Ultimate Spider Man. I don't know if you ever played that one. May I don't think so. No, I think I think the GameCube one specifically. I think that the GameCube one got ported after it was released on PS2, and it included uh, Venom in it, which is really cool, like a playable Venom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then as they got a lot of crap, uh, but I really actually like the Amazing Spider-Man movie tie-in games. Uh huh. I don't even remember those existing. Just to be completely yeah, honest. Yeah, those, those those. I I had fun with them. I think I platinum the first one, uh, but quite honestly, like none of those games could ever really capture the feeling of that Spider-Man Two game, and that's where Spider-Man 2018—that's what we'll call it—comes uh, into play. And that game for me is like the ultimate Spider-Man game. Um, in it, you play an experienced Peter Parker who, at this point, I believe, has been Spider-Man for about six or seven years. Um, so Spider-Man is already established in this world. Yeah, so in this game, Peter Parker does not have an origin story. And you don't have to relive all of Uncle Ben dying. You don't have to... It, right from the get-go, you are an established Spider-Man. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, but Kevin, we've already we've only seen it two dozen times. Don't we need to experience it? A no, dozen? not at all. Because, man, the developers of this game know what they were doing because the very first button that they have you press is the swing button. So they know that a Spider-Man fan doesn't want to live through all that. Oh, they know. Exactly. Yeah, they know you're just in it to... To, sw- to swing around, swing yeah. Around, and yeah. a Spider-Man game lives and dies by its swinging. And, mm-hmm. you know, they they nailed it. There's, there's a small learning curve to it and building momentum. But by the time they get the hang of things, you're zipping around New York like a seasoned pro. You're running up buildings. And, like, right before you hit the edge... You hit the cross button, the X button, whatever whatever side of the aisle you land on that discourse. But right before you hit the edge of a building, you hit X, and then he'll he'll zip the edge and he'll propel himself forward and like this really cool move that he does. And then there's a button where, like, as soon as you hit the ground, instead of like losing all momentum, you hit X again and he like propels himself forward. It's just, man, it's just swinging. In this game is swinging. In this game is what I thought swing was like back in Spider Man. On the PS2. Spider-Man 2 on the PS2. It has that, like, that feeling of newness in the same way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or not newness, but, like, the fluidity and, like, wow, this is really, like, yeah, exactly. this feels real. Yeah, exactly. So um, there is fa- there is fast nice. travel in this game, but unless, like, you're going from one end of the map to the other, you won't really want to because the swinging is so much fun. Um, the map, it being, of course, New York, is very, very large. And I've never been to New York, but it's... It's massive in this game. It's expansive. It's got a mix of real-world landmarks like the Empire State Building and the Chrysler Building, but it also has fictional landmarks like As Avengers Tower, and it has the uh, Doctor Strange's uh, Sanctum Santorum. And then, like, even the New Yorkers, like, feel alive. Like, you've got New Yorkers on the street that who will, like, will want a picture with you or just, like, a high-five. And then, of course, you have the combat of it all, right? You have the crimes that... that Spider-Man's New York is mm-hmm. so famous for. So you'll have carjackings, muggings, drug deals, store robberies, like all taking place at the same time. And <clears throat> it's your job as Spider-Man, of course, to stop them. So the gameplay, like, slash combat is 
pretty much the Batman Arkham combat, which so many video games have taken their influence from. Um, but here you'll be using a, uh, a mix of like hands of hand to hand combat, and of course, like all of uh, Spider Man's uh, like gadgetry. So not only that, but like of course, in this game, it pr- makes perfect sense why you have like little lines above your head, obviously because of Spider Sense. Um, the gameplay isn't doing anything spectacular. It's very standard, but I yeah, see you yeah. did there. Yeah, yeah, you caught me. Yeah, beautiful. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just couldn't resist. What makes this game such a fantastic game is its story. Um, this game has probably what is my favorite Spider-Man story in any media, and I haven't read all the comics. I've read quite a few of them, especially like the the story arcs that Spider-Man is well known for, and this this by far like takes the cake. Um, it deals with uh, Spider-Man trying to uncover a conspiracy involving this new villain in this universe uh, called Mr. Negative that threatens, like, New York City. And throughout the story, you'll interact with, like, classic Spider-Man supporting cast like Mary Jane, Aunt May, Miles Morales is actually in this game. And then you'll get mixed up with classic Spider-Man villains like the Kingpin and the Shocker. Uh, the story is a little padded in the middle, but it's great to see how this story folds across like a few like a few days which is a which is really fun to see and it has a uh, an ending that just man it just punches you in the gut with how Spider-Man it is which Spider-Man know Spider-Man fans know that you know there are some times where Spider-Man doesn't get what he wants and you know he's all about this character he's a character that has to make sacrifices and stuff like that so the ending the ending really, really hits hard. Um, <clears throat> I've been playing a lot of this on the Steam Deck because it's Steam Deck verified, and it's not the best. It's not the best looking game on the Steam Deck, but it runs like it runs like a champ. I'm, I was, I was surprised by. Well, once again, I'm surprised by the Steam Deck's performance and how it's able to do all this. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, if you're a Spider-Man fan, you got to check this game out. I said it's so interesting to me that Sony was like, "Oh, we'll just bring all our games, like our flagship stuff, to PC." Well, yeah, they gotta, and then you can kind of play it on like a fake Switch, and so like we made our own Switch without having invested in our own Switch. Well, they had their own Switch, and they like, like slowly killed clever. it. Think about it. Yeah, even though its name meant life. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, yeah, they life. they picked up that one company. I think their name is Nixes to do all their uh, ports to PC. So. They got mm-hmm. them to do this one, and it's an incredible port too. I I think that there might have been like one issue with it, but it wasn't an issue that their previous ports have gotten. I, I think God of War had some issues. Horizon definitely had some issues. I don't remember about Days Gone, but I know next up on the block, I think they said that they're porting the recently released uh, Last of Us Part One remake on PC. Oh, they already confirmed yeah. they're going to bring that to PC. But they also fast. confirmed Uncharted 4 and Uncharted The Lost Legacy, and that still hasn't been out. I think that got announced for PC before Spider-Man even got announced on PC. So that was interesting. Interesting. It, it's interesting how quickly they're doing this, because they also just bought a mobile studio like a week ago they acquired, or maybe two weeks ago they acquired a mobile studio to further their IPs in that direction. So it's interesting how quickly Sony's sort of following the Microsoft path of, you know, 
just being on every platform they can, essentially. Yeah. And uh, before I forget, uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales was also announced for PC. So that'll be coming as well. Ah. So are there any, like, PC exclusive? I imagine not, but are there any PC exclusive things? Like, does it does it have, like, ult- it does yeah, have Yeah, it does have ultra-wide support. Wide support. Right? If you have a- um, trying to think of what else it might have. Well, it's got ray tracing. I know the PS5 version of the game also has uh, some support for ray tracing, but of course, if you have a uh, if you have a beefy graphics card, you'll be able to crank it up and have even better visuals than you would on the right. uh, on the PS5. Which is also weird to think about. That's like Sony flagship might not actually be the best version of these games going forward. Yeah, but of course they'll be very good and they'll be optimized and everything. But like, it's just cra- it's a crazy thought. Like, if you told that to like someone in the console wars in 2007 that this would be the future of gaming where everyone's on everything it's yeah i mean i mean i'm as a as a playstation as a playstation guy myself i I recently just bought a ps5 uh digital edition and it's it does feel nice to see them get into the pc game after being so heavily against it uh it'd be nice Mm -hmm, for them mm -hmm. to to do what microsoft does and pretty much uh allow you to share your access across platforms but they're still stingy on that front but I don't know I, lo- I love this game yeah. enough to justify buying it again this will be my third time buying this game it's wow okay that that's a pretty good endor- yeah. pretty big endorsement right there in and of itself I was gonna say it is interesting that like the shift with gaming and just the idea of what is exclusive and what does move a system and even there's this back and forth right now between Microsoft and Sony over Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard and they're saying, oh, we'll bring Call of Duty for three years beyond our contractual obligation. And Sony's like, we've had it for 20. What are you going to do after three? That's not good enough. And there's like all this bickering and like, like the, the console wars used to be like, who can take all the exclusives for themselves? Now it's like, well, how long can we share cross platform exclusives with each other? It's just such a weird, different ball game now. Cause even if Microsoft does take it, it's not platform exclusive. The conversation becomes, well, do you pay seventy dollars for Call of Duty, or do you get it for free on Game Pass? So, like this whole everything, the ecosystem's so different now in just the last couple of years. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, You've been playing anything? By the way, the uh, actually yes, I have. My, mine's kind of an older one. Actually, mine's older than yours. So, Spider Man came out two thousand eighteen. What twenty eighteen? Yeah, yeah. So, I've been playing some N sixty four stuff actually. Like, I've been playing a decent amount of time into much to my own surprise. Um, in the Switch Online expansion pack, Wave Race 64 and Pokemon Puzzle League. And I don't know if there... There isn't a better pairing to show how differently games can age. I mean, like, first off, credit where it's due, both games are great gameplay-wise. Um, but in terms of, like, presentation, it's crazy how differently I feel about these two games, even though they came out only a few years apart back in the day. Like, on paper... I feel like Wave Race 64 should be the game that feels older. Like, it literally is the older game, and not just because, you know, it is the older game and came out, I think, in the launch window of the N64 back in the day, while Pokemon Puzzle League was at the tail end of the N64. But, like, Wave Race was really the one that tried to milk the hardware for all it's got. Like, you've got the full, early, like, 3D polygonal look, the the need for uh, the water physics, the announcer as you race, like, all these attempts at creating this kind of realistic jet ski game and somehow it's the only one that seems to hold up 26 years later of the two it's so strange but well before i even get into that have you have you ever played no, Wave Race never on the n64 
Oh, dude, it's it's so. Let me tell you what you've been missing, because the thing about Wave Race that does so well is it really balances this kind of arcadey pick up and play side with some actual real depth in physics. The entire game always, to me, kind of felt like like you remember when um the original F Zero came out. It was developed for the Super Nintendo specifically to showcase the Mode 7 graphic scaling. So the entire premise of the game was, look what we can do with the technology on this console. Let's try and build something around it. Wave Race was kind of the idea for the N64. So how we showcase the graphical proudness, how we showcase the the analog stick. So for Wave Race, the idea was now like how we add depth to a racing game, like quite literally. Like you can lean forward into the water by moving forward on a second. You can pull back by pulling back. You move left and right, all that. It's the perfect showcase for the then new analog stick. And then on top of that, like, well, how we show the graph, you know, the 64-bit console power, the physics, the graphics in general, all that kind of cares to that. And it just did that really... Ele- sounds like a weird word to use, but elegantly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was just super accessible and easy to understand. And you, or at least I, as a kid, could just spend like hours just sort of jet skiing around and just like open practice mode because it was just really fun to like be on the water and have this kind of realistic feel that was really pick up and play. Uh, but then it went kind of beyond that technical showcase demo piece, and it actually had no pun intended here, like actual depth to the gameplay. There's there's way more if you want there to be, like the water physics, the way they rock your jet ski and how they can help or hurt you as you sort of slalom between each course's buoys because every race is actually a slalom course. Um, there's strategy there. Like you start to get a feel for exactly how and when the waves will break in each of the eight, I think eight courses across the game. Uh, and you actually kind of use that to your advantage in time trials. And there's, there's kind of a rhythm to find within the waves or there's this whole trick system on the other side of things, which, um, you know, some of these tricks have actually like two levels to them, like the handstand where you could do one motion, they do a follow up motion. And that adds a whole nother dimension. Never mind the fact that there's actually literally a separate stunt mode you can do. Um, and honestly, as a kid, like those tricks could put up a challenge. I, one of the most famous cheat codes in the game is you can ride the dolphin. So when you're in the practice mode, there's a little dolphin that swims around with you. And I think he's in the trick mode too. But if you, do the tricks in a certain sequence in a certain track you can ride the dolphin and I can never do it as a kid I literally did it for the first time like three weeks ago and it was great but like my I guess my point is like I don't know if it was the dedication to being so much more than just a technical showcase for the N64 or what but like Wave Race 64 just aged super well in general like gameplay wise the physics hold up really well because they're really thought out from the from the start like visually it obviously has that 90s polygonal look, but it just works. Like, it has some charm to it. And for some reason, it also has butts. Like, a lot of butts. Like, this Excuse is actually me? something that my girlfriend noticed when I was playing, but it has butts. Uh, one of the most defined things on screen in the game is the butt of the jet ski rider you're controlling. Interesting. I don't know why it's so defined. I don't know. Maybe it's jumping out at us more when, when we were, when she was watching and I was playing because, like, May our brains have been rewired. We've been watching a lot of Bob's Burgers. We've been binging it uh, for the first time over the long mm-hmm. weekend, and they love butts on oh, that yes, show. So maybe that's so maybe that's why we saw the butt so quickly. They also love puns on that show, by the way. So many puns, it's incredible. Like uh, Bob's Burgers, I had no idea it was this good. Anyway, you do you watch Bob's Burgers? Am I? I started it. I think I maybe got ten episodes in before I dropped it. I, I think I just wasn't that interested in it. 
I feel like get to like season two or three. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, not gonna happen. Aren't those seasons like twenty episodes long? Uh, no, the first ones are only like ten. Actually, you got through all season oh, really? one. I think if you did ten episodes, oh. I think season. Yeah, I think, but no, it, it gets really good. Yeah, we're on season three or four right now, and we're, that show we're sidebar and every that, single that show lasted mm. way longer than I thought it was go, going to. I, Honestly, I saw the same. trailer. I saw, I saw like the commercials. Like, oh, this is getting canceled after one, one season for sure. It's just so one of the things they do that's so great. Well, they do a lot of wordplay, but one of the things they do that's really great is um, every for me and anyone that knows Ram Nintendo knows how much I love the punny titles we did on the old Ram Nintendo podcast, and we sort of do with Random or Nintendo. But um, every single episode intro has two puns: the store next door to theirs an exterminator truck and they're all different at least so far and then every single episode in the episode there's a burger of the day that changes if the day changes in the show and each burger of the day is itself a pun and some are good and some are purposely cringy bad and then on top of that they do verbal word playing on top of that every other story to go into is a pun it's just like pun heaven it's so great and butts law butts anyway my broader point about Wave race. It's just it aged really well. Butts aside, like it just it surprisingly looks good. Like it looks styled in a way, and it's how it's designed. Um, so it doesn't look old. It just looks like it's styled. Um, which then made it so interesting revisiting Pokemon Puzzle League because that was much more jarring by comparison. And I don't think holds up visually as well as Wave Race does. So next question, Kevin, have you ever played Pokemon Puzzle League on the N sixty four? Nope, can't say that I have. Okay, so here here's the thing. Uh, actually, I should preface my preface here. So, Puzzle League. Have you played Puzzle League or Tetris Attack or Panel to Pawn or it's gone by many names because it can never. It got the short end I of the don't decade. Think I have. have you really? Okay, so if I I don't blame you because Nintendo doesn't treat it very well. But the, basically, this is one of my favorite puzzle games. Period. Uh, this, the whole premise revolves around a typical match three, right? Uh, except the the blocks they're. They're scrolling up from the bottom, and you have to match at least three, uh, or sorry, yeah, at least three of the same block type by swapping two adjacent block pieces. So the pieces are rising up from the bottom, and you have a little cursor that can switch left and right two pieces. And when you do those switches, you can make combinations that go horizontally, make combinations that go vertical, and three or more blocks form a combo, it erases it from your field, and if you're playing against a computer or some sort of opponent in a versus mode, it then dumps garbage blocks on the other player, depending on how many in your combo you get. Relatively straightforward. And, you know, it's kind of like Bejeweled if Bejeweled was, like, dynamically moving. And uh, Pokemon Puzzle League, to be fair, does some neat things gameplay-wise with that concept. There's a standard mode where the blocks just scroll up. That's, you know, whatever. But there's also a challenge mode where you have to clear all the blocks within a certain number of turns. And there's this kind of wacky 3D column mode where instead of it just being, like, on a flat board or a flat area, uh, the blocks actually are mapped around, like, an invisible cylinder that you spin. So it's like this 3D shape that the blocks are rising up on instead of just being 2D. Which, you know, opens up some interesting combo options and is fun, but definitely doesn't go as far as to like look I'm 3D now of something like Tetrisphere on the N64 which another question Kevin have you ever played Tetrisphere? I don't think I have okay so Tetrisphere I feel like I'm like doing a Russian nesting doll of N64 games here so Tetrisphere is a very overlooked and very amazing game that needs to come to Switch Online pretty much ASAP basically 
what if instead of you playing Tetris on a board, you're actually playing it on a Mario Galaxy-like planet? So you're a little, essentially, bombardier robot thing, and you're dropping explosives, if I remember, or you're dropping magnets that move around Tetris pieces or something, but they're on a sphere, and as you clear Tetris pieces, you actually go further into the core of the planet or whatever it is, and there's more and more layers of Tetris blocks, and you want to get to the co- all the way down to the core. And there's different power-ups you can get along the way that can blow up additional blocks or blow up blocks similar colors or do things like that, and there's a competitive mode where you can like drop garbage blocks on other people's planets, and it's really cool. And it's Tetris, but it's also not all Tetris, and it's really cool. So that came out on 64 like, I don't know, 97, 98, something like that. So Pokemon Puzzle League in, like, 2000 doing, look, it's flat Puzzle League, but we wrapped it around an invisible column. Like, isn't quite as impressive of a, like, we 3D-ified it. But either way, I I digress. Um, Where Pokemon Puzzle League, I think, actually suffers the most, because that column mode thing is actually fun, even if it's a little simplistic. Where it suffers the most to me is the presentation, which is, again, weird, because it came out so many years after Wave Race, yet Wave Race feels newer and more... It aged way better. So, the thing with Puzzle League is the presentation is just cheap. Like, I don't know how better to describe it. Like, one thing I should probably note is the game was actually made in the U.S. by Nintendo Software Technology, which is a division of NOA. It's not from an actual, like, Japanese Nintendo studio. It's not from Game Freak, not for Creature. They are. They went on to do stuff like the mini Mario spin-off games from Mario vs. Okay. Donkey Kong. And ultimately they did Metroid Prime Hunters, which is actually, I thought, a really good game. So, you know, they had to cut their teeth on something. And the, again, the gameplay in Puzzle League is fine. That's not an issue. But this is one of their earlier games. And basically all the assets for it are pulled right out of the Pokemon anime. So you get, like, stock art of each gym leader, some of the Pokemon, a random passing appearance from Tracy from the Orange Island episodes, if you remember that season of Pokemon, just because that happens to be when this game came out, so he's relevant for the two minutes that he's around. Uh, And, like, the dialogue boxes are all written in what kind of looks like Comic Sans, but it's, like, a blue and yellow outline text like the Pokemon logo, because of course it is, but it's, like, nearly impossible to read. And, like, the... The backdrops of each puzzle match are just episode backdrops like arenas or gyms with maybe some character art slapped on top. Like, and there's, and there's sound bites of, um, from the show of like people's one liners or when you do block combos, like Ash in particular, I swear if I hear way to go one more time when I get like oh, four more blocks. Classic Ash's voice. Yeah, 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 it's from like the year 2000. So there's like little, there's charm in that and there's nostalgia in that. And, and don't get me wrong, like it all makes sense. And they even, you know, it all makes sense to include given when it came out and what Pokemon was at that time. And they even got a custom, like, kid you not, they got like a 15 second long animated intro exclusive for the game for the anime's producers. So like, you know, they paid the big bucks on this thing. But the problem is, it just doesn't look good coming off what was a cartridge at the time. Like, it's so compressed and everything. Like, let alone, you know, now on an HD TV or on a Switch OLED or whatever. Like, everything's like, pixely and low res and the sound quality isn't great and and the thing that i think just drives me so crazy about as i'm playing it again the gameplay's fun don't get me wrong but the thing that drives me crazy about it is there is a very well themed version of this exact game on a much less powerful system because the game boy color had pokemon puzzle challenge 
which was basically this, but instead of theming it around the anime, they themed it a little around uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver, but they did like a chibi art style thing. So it had its own unique look. Uh, they really embraced it across the whole game. It felt like a more like completely mapped out package. And I feel like that, if I were to go back to it, would age much better just because it sort of stands on its own and has its own identity. While this one, I go back to it, as good as Puzzle Leaf gameplay is, it just feels like a licensed cash-in, which is so weird for a first-party Nintendo game to ever feel like, you know? So so it's a very weird contrast of what I've been playing. And that's not to say, again, I, I want to keep emphasizing, that's not to say the game isn't fun. Like, Puzzle League is always fun. The cylinder thingy's kind of cool. It's just, boy, like, some presentation styles and some choices age a lot better than others when you go back to two decades... Uh, yeah, two decades mm-hmm. later. And this is coming from someone who has the nostalgia and the rose-tinted glasses. Like, that era of the Pokemon anime, like, the year 2000, like, right in there, that's when I was obsessed with everything Pokemon. Not just the show, but the cards, the game, everything. And even then, like, the nostalgia's not... I can't... I I don't know. I can't see past the cheapness here. Uh, Has ever happened with you, though? Like, there's a game that you fondly look back on, and it just does not age well when you go back. Or maybe on the flip uh, side, there's one that surprisingly does, like Wave Race for me. Majora's Mask. I think we oh, talked really? about this on Random Din back back when uh, Majora's Mask um, the day. 3DS was released. I loved Majora's Mask when I was younger. And then playing, it in, playing the 3D remake, it just was not hitting for me at all. It's crazy. That's, it, yeah, it, that, that's a bummer having, though, that's like the whole gameplay, right? Yeah, it's insane right? having my favorite uh, Legend of Zelda of all time in one fell swoop become not my favorite of all time, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. That That is a bummer, yeah. it's it's It sucks when, like, I feel like I've had the experience where I'm, like, chasing the nostalgia almost. Yeah. Like, I can't think of a media game that comes to mind, but, like, something like, oh, I want to recreate what, hypothetically, Mario Sunshine was for me in August 2022, and I was counting down the days, and I got it, and I was so hyped for it for a week. And and to a degree, when they did the 3D All-Stars collection, I think I talked about it um, on Random Nin when we talked about it. Like, Mario Sunshine, I still think is a really cool, interesting game, but, like, the camera system did not age well at all. And I remember, I don't remember having any, any issue with it in 2002, but in 2021 or whenever, I was just like, ooh, this isn't good. <laughs> it just kind of, it does suck to like, it, it's deflating almost. And to like kind of be like chasing that high of this childhood memory that you can't get to can be frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd be super down, like, if they, and that's, and that's the thing with like puzzle is the gameplay, at least in this case, uh, the gameplay is still good. So if they were to make a new like puzzle league or puzzle challenge sequel, that maybe leverages some of the stuff in Scarlet and Violet. Like, I I mean, first of all, Scarlet and Violet already is about crystallizing Pokemon with that whole Terra thing. So it's not hard to just say the puzzle pieces are crystal blocks. There you go. Like, easy. But, like, that, they could reuse the assets in the same way as back in the day. And I feel like even that would just age a lot more gracefully in 22 years because they're, like, of a certain quality, which I think is what Puzzle League was missing, visually speaking, was that quality. And somehow Wave Race had from six Mm -hmm. years prior but yeah i don't know uh but yes that's what i've been playing is just old n64 games that have either surprised me or slightly horrified me um but but speaking of pokemon actually um did you see any of the stuff with scarlet and violet that nintendo's been announcing last Uh, week or so just bits and pieces of it here and there 
it's it's interesting because they're like kind of sort of so they put out it for, for context they put out a new like two and a half minute trailer for those who haven't seen it it's on pokemon's youtube i'm sure um and it kind of broke down the story mode for first first time or what the stories will be and it's interesting because they're kind of sort of i don't want to say reskinning past ideas but like kind of reskinning past ideas like you've got what's dubbed victory road in which you go to the gyms and then take on the pokemon league but now they've added some tasks beyond that like there's one where you collect some flora and then you get the option to been battle in the gym because you like did their task which is fine so that's one element of the story then they're like oh and there's this separate other story path called uh star street which is centered around this new team rocket of the uh paldia region i guess they're called scene star and here you go and you like invade their bases and take up their pokemon in battle and there's this kind of like i don't know if you saw it coming there's kind of like mad max fury road inspired vehicle thing with giant speakers that like team star rides no, around in this that. like autonomous zone that they've created for themselves it's very it's it's kind of i really like to think game freak saw mad max fury road and like yes we need to do that um it looks very similar um so then there's that which is really just what the team rocket stuff has been in every game or the you know evil team uh, but now it's its own story. And then there's this other thing called the Path of Legends in which you're collecting, I guess this, it's some sort of herb. It's called like the Herb Mystica. It's this rare thing and you're helping find it. It's part of a treasure hunt for the school, as they call it. And to get it, you have to battle giant versions of Pokemon called Titan Pokemon, which are basically the alphas from Legends, kind of. Um, one of which is this crab thing named Cloth, who has these crazy buggy, bugged out eyes. But either way, like, None of these things are entirely new, but they're presenting, like, all oh, three entirely unique stories. And, like, it's not really a knock against the game. It's just interesting that, like, in the pursuit of this more open Pokemon experience they're now doing, they're basically slicing and dicing previously connected story elements and gameplay elements. You know, ones that were, like, more intertwined. They're kind of like, well, now you choose which one you want to play instead of them all just being, like, one. So I'm kind of, I'm really just curious to see, like, how smooth or disjointed this new approach is going to be because this Pokemon is so trying so hard to be open and you do your own thing and then they kind of took what was so nicely structured and sort of split it for the benefit of well choose your own adventure I'm, I'm very curious to see where where this how this actually like shakes out come November well I um, totally forgot what is our bet regarding those games oh oh yeah so I had to I actually looked this up um, and I'm glad you bring this up today because I don't want to embarrass you oh, in front of crap. Angel. Oh, crap. I mean, granted, he could listen to this. And granted, <laughs> granted, Angel could listen to this. And granted, anyone listening to this can feel your embarrassment. God but, damn it. Um, we made a bet in episode 275. I literally looked this up last night. So we made a bet in episode 275. It's around seven minutes in on that episode. It's the um, the Switch Sports Impressions episodes, if you guys want to hunt God it down out it. there. And the bet was... We were talking about the uh, when would Pokemon Scarlet and Violet come out, and I said the third Friday of November. And then I hemmed and hawed a little, because I was like, well, unless they don't delay Breath of the Wild 2, if Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, that might be the third week. The only time Pokemon isn't that week is when they have a bigger release that week. And then they delayed Breath of the Wild 2. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. And then no, guess no, what no, day? No, 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 I'm calling, I'm calling, nope. Breath of the Wild. It can Breath of the Wild honestly be delayed if it never got a release date? That's fair. Well, they did originally say 2022. They never said when. They, they did say 2022? So the, the, the assumption I was making, I think at one point last year in 2021, they said 2022. Yeah. Um, But either either way, my, my thought process was it would be the third Friday, and then I started hemming and hawing, like, well, unless Breath of the Wild takes that spot, then it'd be the second Friday. And then you were basically... 
in all your what I now consider infinite wisdom. You were basically like, well, you know what? You all put money on it. You, you like pick a Friday, make it a Friday. One of us will buy the other to gain to pay on the Friday. So I said, okay, I'll do the third Friday. Which uh, they then proceeded to announce that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet will be coming to the Nintendo Switch on November 18th, which is the third Friday. And the bet was one of us buys the other the game. So Kevin, I will happily take whichever version you are not planning to pick up so we can at least trade some Pokemon. <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm done with this yeah. episode. I, I would just like to point out you went up against the guy who you have either had conversations with or listened to regurgitate release dates and sales numbers for Nintendo games and Pokemon games for over 10 years. And you're just like, yeah, this seems like a reasonable $60 to wager. So I'm not saying I'm always right, but like statistically speaking, the odds were not in your favor. All right. So, which one do you want? Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's kind of what I have to figure out. So they announced the first version exclusive Pokemon as well with the story mode stuff. There's a guy named Armor, uh, Rouge, and there's a guy named Surlujed, C-E-R-U-L-E-D-G-E. Serulege? Serulege. Armorous and Serulege. Um, they claim these guys are night Pokemon. Each exclusive to one version of the game. Armorous is red, so I assume he's in Scarlet. Serulege is kind of blue, so I assume he's in Violet. Uh, except they're basically Mega Man characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you seen these at all? Yeah, so Armorous is like, he has an arm cannon, literally. He looks like Fireman or something from the old Mega Man games. And then Serulege, he has like a sword design motif. He looks like he's straight up Mega Man Battle Network, which a game that itself, I guess, took inspiration from Pokemon back in the day with its multiple versions and whatnot. So maybe this is like, oop, I hit the mic, but maybe this is like a full circle moment as a result. But either way, um, I have to now choose, do I want the dude with the arm cannon or do I want the dude with the sword motif? Neither of which, I, I, they don't look like Pokemon, so that makes the decision hard. Like they, I don't know, I shouldn't be complaining about Pokemon designs in a game where the legendaries have wheels on their stomachs that can't actually be used as wheels, but here I am doing it. Uh, so yeah, I don't have an answer for you. But where are you leaning towards? Because I'm okay doing the opposite. I, I think I am leaning towards. Uh, hold on, it's gonna be a, a stupid reason why I'm leaning towards it, but I mean, dude, I'm basing my reason off which guy that looks like a rejected Mega Man character. Am I more? Okay I'm basing with? it off with so. which logo <laughs> I like better. Um. Mm. Mm. I like Scarlet because Scarlet is such a cool word. Like it just, it just like rolls off the tongue. Like Scarlet, like oh, it's got some oomph to it. But its logo is so does, crap. Does it? Does it? Yeah, its logo. Well, so and it's Violet's interesting because its logo is Violet's is supposed to be sciency. So I forgot that's the other differentiator is the different professors, right? So I believe Violet the pitch is like they're more into science and stuff. So their logo looks kind of like techie. And then Scarlet's more like, yeah, we're into like the raw world and whatever. So their logo's more like, you know, like cave painting or something. Um, I could go either way. I mean, if you want Scarlet, I can settle for Violet. Well, now Um, that you put it like that. I think I'm leaning towards, I think I'm leaning towards Armor Rouge as the cooler of the night Pokemon I don't like because they look like Mega Man characters as I keep repeating. Uh, but I mean, if I'm, if you're gonna have a fake Mega Man character, give me the one with the arm cannon, I guess. Like, let's go full Mega. It's okay. Just give, give me Pokemon Samus. It's cool. Uh, so yeah, if you want Violet, I'll take Scarlet. No, I want Scarlet. Whatever. You get Scarlet. I'll take Violet. 
Okay, no, then no, I'll no, take Violet. Fine. No, fine. I'll take you, Violet. You think it's the, fine. You are the you are the <laughs> rightful winner of this of this bet. So whichever one you want, yeah, I'm, I'm getting. I I I you have no idea how long I had to look <sighs> through old episodes to find the bet, so I could have this moment of glory. And Angel isn't even here to join me in basking. Yeah. But Kevin, you're a good man for following it through. Although you haven't followed it through yet, but you're a good man theoretically. Come November 18th, Um, and two weeks before that, on November 4th, it's not part of that. Don't worry. But if anyone wants a special edition switch, there's a Pokemon Scarlet and Violet one coming out on November 4th. Um, There's a ten dollar premium on it, which is interesting because I think this is Nintendo. So you saw PS5 got the price bump around the world, right? Yeah, and the Oculus got a price bump around the world. And everyone thought Apple would do that with the iPhones, and they did in every country except ours. Um, but Nintendo's like, oh, we're not going to do a price bump for the Switch. But then, interestingly, both the Splatoon 3 Switch OLED that came out, what, last week? And the new one they just announced, Scar and Violet, they're, as far as I'm aware, the first special edition Switches that are just design changes that have a premium price. They're both $10 over the normal editions MSRP. So Nintendo may not say they're doing a price bump, but they are taking a few extra bucks where they can get it. Not that I fault them Mm -hmm. at all. Inflation's a pain. I get it. But yeah, so little thing I noticed. Just thought I'd throw it out there. But but yeah. Okay, well, I look forward to my copy of um, Pokemon Scarlet or Violet. Yeah, you deserve it. I was so, I was so Thank uh... you. You were so sure because I was hemming and hawing. You were so sure that I ended up that I would get it wrong because I was kind of like second guessing myself. Well, the better man won, but eh, I won't go that far. But but it was a, it was a good a good friendly wager. Good friendly wager. Um, yeah. Did you watch the Apple event? Just to totally not. I, even I have watched. A the, I watched most of it. I know the announcements. But let's go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, because as I say, this is a good non-angel topic because he's always just like, I'm keeping my iPhone XR. And we're like, yeah, I'm, cool. I'm keeping my iPhone 6. <laughs> I'm keeping my iPhone 3GS. Yeah, but um, yeah, let's talk about it. So I feel like this was a weird year. I think the products were cool, but I think it's a very weird year because this is the first time I can recall where the everything they showed wasn't like, look at this great like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, aspirational. Like, look at how cool you can be. Look at these cool experiences you can have with your friends. Look at, like, if you have this phone, you can take the best selfies in the concert. You can, like, do all these cool things. Like, the best camera for the best nighttime, like, after you're at the bar and you're in front of some neon and you want a cool shot. Like, that's what's been every year, right? And then this year, it's like, well, if you get in a car crash or, like, if you get stranded on a mountaintop or if you're doing some crazy hiking and you're lost and you can't get down from your mountain... Or, you know, like any, it, it was very dystopian. Like it felt very much like, I don't know if this is a sign that phones are plateauing, so now they're finding like edge cases, or if this is just, this is the way the world is moving and things are just getting more dangerous, or whether Apple just realized they can pivot to having the most expensive info, infomercial of like worst case scenario situations ever. But like this whole keynote, there was cool stuff for sure, but even the Apple Watch Ultra, so many of the things are like, well, when you're, scaling Everest and you're falling into a crevice we got a dark we got a night mode so you can still see your watch we got a whistle that has 84 decibels so it could echo through the canyons for people to find you like it was just so like you know what I mean like it was everything was just so like if you are in peril this will help you well in the past it was like how can you live your best 
like life and look coolest on social media and whatever. It's a very interesting little pivot they did. Mm-hmm. But the procs look great. Let's talk about them. So we're, we're yeah. So where are you uh, begin? What are they? Where, so, where they started start? with the Apple Watch, right? Yeah, watch. Start with the watch. Yes, sir. Let's yes, start with yeah. what so, watch are you currently rocking? I actually upgraded to the Series Seven uh, as a birthday gift for my girlfriend. Um, I had a Series Three before that, and I saw the I read the tea leaves, so to speak, that the Series Eight wasn't going to be all that spectacular compared to the Seven, which it's not. So I do have a Series yeah, Seven. Series yes. Seven. Cool. I my first Apple yeah. Watch was a, I believe it was also a Series Three. Oh, that was my second. My first was Series Zero. I was a day oh, one dude. One I wasn't playing it. When it was announced, I was like, nah, I don't need that. And then, like, as it inch I take that back. I was month one. I think that's it was three gotcha, weeks gotcha. after launch. But as it inch closer, I was like, oh, I kind of need that. Yeah, I think my so, first watch was a yeah. Series 3. I'm currently rocking a SE. Apple Watch. First generation SE. Now I, now I guess he's nice. That's, first what, generation. that's what my girlfriend does. Yeah. Yeah. I like the SE. It's like a, it's good bang for buck. Like the the value to feature ratio is yeah. really solid. Yeah. So what do they announce? Um. So do, does the eight not in you? any well, shape or form? <laughs> does the new SE interest? Not you? in any shape or form. All right. So let's talk about what they announced, and we could talk about why both of us, I think, are yeah. skipping an upgrade. Do you want to take the lead? No, or you or you want me to take? You're the you're the Apple guy. Go for it. I am the Apple guy. Okay. So. What they announced are basically uh, a whole family of watches, really. So there's the Apple, there's the new SE second gen, which they're just calling Apple mm-hmm. Watch SE, um, and they're catching it up to speak with some of the specs that are more standard now. So it has the same chip as the new Series Eight, which is basically the same chip as the Series Seven. It has uh, the backs cleaned up a bit to match some of the sensor designs on current ones, and the whole thing with the SE is really like let's make it cheap so kids that don't have phones yet, their parents can put them. Put a smartwatch on their wrist, put them on a family plan with them. It's like 10 bucks a month instead of a whole phone plan. And then we could sell these to a bunch of kids. So they have actually dropped the price with the updated specs to only $250, but it's missing stuff like always on screen, the bigger screen, you know, those sorts of things. So that's the SC. It comes in fun pastel colors. So that's the SC. That was kind of like, all right, it's, it's not geared, I don't think, towards the techies like us. It's very much like Apple trying to like indoctrinate the youths. Uh, then there was the Series 8. The big thing with Series A is they added the temperature uh, tracker for the first time to the watch. Um, they took an interesting angle, I think, where they talked about how it can help with tracking, like period tracking, ovulation, and women's health, which is all great, but it was interesting to hear that come out in light of the warnings about period tracking in tech in light of Roe v. Wade being overturned. So that was, so they put big spin on like, oh, well, the privacy angle and your data is yours and that sort of thing, but it was still kind of, kind of an interesting contradiction to hear that at the same time as people saying don't use those apps as much. Uh, but it is a cool feature. There's probably a lot of good uh, women's health uses for it. The thing that surprises me is it doesn't just do temperature readings. So going into the announcement, uh, there were rumors that you'd be able to like see if you have a fever or something, and Apple just completely did not touch that at all. Um, but besides that, the Series 8 is kind of the same. It has, tra- it has crash detection, as does the new phones, uh, as does the SE, as does the Ultra. So basically, they tweak the accelerometer. So if you're going fast and then you're suddenly not, it'll go, oh, you probably got in a crash, and it will actually call 911 for you. Like, it can sense if you, like, flipped over or if you, like, lurch or that sort of thing, which is cool. But that's it. Like, the Series 8 supposedly has a slightly bigger screen, but I didn't look it in the photos. But yeah, it's just, it's very... Like, as someone that got a Series 7 recently mm-hmm. 
there is zero like gadget lust or envy or anything. I'm just like, oh, it's literally my watch with something for uh, health that doesn't apply to me as a man. So okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm I also on that. on that front. My SE is getting pretty much everything that I need it to do. It's doing already. So it's one of those things that with the watches, I feel yeah. like it's very tough. It's going to be very tough for me to upgrade. I think the only thing that would get me to upgrade is a nicer screen, but I don't know how much nicer you can get going from, I think it was series four to series five is when they was the first like big screen redesign, right? Where it actually went like edge to edge as opposed to like, uh, first of two. Square, this very square uh, screen. They did it again. They did it again with the seven. Um, it's a big screen on the seven, even on the smaller watch. Cause I have, I have tiny wrists. Like I have the wrist of a, of a Ken doll maybe. And so I have the smaller watches, but like it, same surface area as a series three or even four, but like the screen's just bigger. Like noticeably, it's bigger enough that you, they actually put a full little swipe keyboard on the series seven that couldn't comfortably be used on the older watches or so they claim. Uh-huh. And it it works really well. I, I didn't even know that was a feature. And then when I got the watch, which for me is very weird because I'm still on top of Apple, but I had no idea that was a thing. And when I got the watch, I'm like, this is so cool. But yeah, it's um, it's not watch it. The Apple Watch to me is not something you upgrade in the same way you would a phone. Like it, you ride it out till its battery dies. That's how I have done it traditionally. Yeah. Um, but the big screen is super nice. Don't get me wrong. Every time I unlock my watch, I'm still like, whoa, the keypad is so big now. And I've had it for like five months. So and I'm still having that sensation every single time. Uh, but we want to talk about big screens and big keypads. There is the, the elephant in the room, the Apple Watch Ultra, which that is a beast. It is, it is both very this, this physically is the one that large I don't and have too much info on. Okay, so this one, it, they are trying to chase down what I think is more of a niche mar- market of, like, the Garmin and other, like, athletic outdoorsman watches. You know, like, the big bulky ones that have, like, four buttons on them and GPS, and they run way better battery life. So if you're, like, out doing backpacking or something, like, it can tell you where you are, where you are. It can track your movement. It can help you backtrack. It can do stuff like that, and it just lasts. So this one... 49 millimeters instead of 45 or 43 mm-hmm. I think um, so it's a lot bigger it can go like 40 meters deep and has like a full dive computer baked into it it can do stuff like it'll literally help you if you get lost like track back the way you came like it tracks where you go it uses an, a separate additional GPS band beyond the standard one that's in all the watches and your phone and stuff that's better for when you're like out in the boonies and don't have direct satellites overhead. Um, it has that whistle I mentioned. It has like this cool where you, if you roll the digital crown, it turns into like a night mode where like everything's like red on black, which actually looks really slick. Uh, it has an extra button called the action button on the left side. It's this orange button in international orange, which is like the go-to color for all these sort of outdoorsy, you know, like when you see like you go REI and everything has that orange accent, like that's a specific shade of orange and they put it on the watch. Um, they actually, the button and the crown that are there traditionally, like the standard button and crown, actually are now elevated and kind of protected with this like casing. So if you bonk it into a rock, it won't do anything. Uh, the screen itself is no longer curved. It's flat with its own edge of protection. Same reason. And it's just this hefty thing that is designed to really 
whatever outdoorsy thing you're doing, whatever rough and tumble world you're living in or wanting to go explore or be part of, this watch will help with that. And it's at $800 and it's one size, one model. That, yeah, that's all that's with cellular. No. Yeah, it's a no for me, but I think there's an audience oh, that yeah, will absolutely. eat this up. Um, yeah, and I think it's a smaller audience, absolutely, but there's going to be some people that just like, you know, the same time people are like, I love driving a Jeep, but I never go into the mountains. Like, I'm sure that's also going to be a subset of the audience too. But but it's definitely a, um interesting idea, and it's something that Samsung's moving towards, and Garmin's been kind of quiet. Garmin and a few, like Casio, and maybe a couple others have kind of had a little monopoly. Not monopoly, because there are multiple of them, but they had a, they had that in, that little subset of the market on lock, and now Apple's marching in with this, you know, basically souped-up big boy Apple Watch, and it'll be interesting to see how it does. Um, it's definitely now like the premium one, which is kind of funny because it's actually the least premium looking. It's the most rugged looking, but yeah. yeah. So, so that's the ultra Thin. cool idea. They presented it on mountaintops in the presentation. So like, I'm sure they're green screens, but still as it's funny to see Apple be like, we're on mountains now because we're outdoorsy and they're all wearing like, you know, outdoorsy hiker clothes. I'm like, yeah, no, this is very clearly post, but, um, but yeah, so that was the watches that came and went. Okay stuff. I think the, software updates might be more interesting than the hardware um and even those are pretty tame this year so uh but that's the watches mm-hmm. yeah what was next uh i think the airpop AirPods? pros 2 yeah so this one i have the least i don't like in ear like full in ear like little nubby buddy things that you have to like are like squishy and you stuff them in your ear i'm not a fan of that so i use normal airpods i could appreciate the pros. Where do you like from here? Do you like that? Sort I can of? do either, um, because of the noise canceling. I own a pair of pros. So would you? So I'm curious what you think because what they basically pitched was here's the exact same looking thing, but we've doubled the noise cancellation abilities supposedly, and they put uh, the case now as a speaker. If you lose it, you can find my the case and they'll mm-hmm. chirp. The case now works with the Apple Watch charger, so no matter which little puck you have be it a mag safe an apple watch a chi charger whatever it'll charge on all of them and they add a little lanyard loop and as far as i can tell that's it oh and the stems on the headphones you can now like poke at them to raise and lower the volume instead of having to ask siri which is cool but i think that's it like that's the only change right so would you even consider something like that? i absolutely would and honestly those those tell me why it. it's because the case has find me uh, has find my abilities. It's. That's, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. If that's. I mean, that can... I could easily just stick a goddamn Apple tag to my current case, but not only that. Uh, right. Also, I'm gonna sound like a prick. I have lost one of my AirPods Pros already, and I've already replaced it. So uh, Papa needs a brand new pair of Pros. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, fair, yeah, fair. Ma- mainly because I've already lost one, and so I've already replaced it, and my warranty doesn't cover another one. So I need a new pair, anyways. Um, yeah, Sp- spatial audio yeah. has never been. Yeah. I've never been a fan of spatial audio. I don't. I don't. Yeah. So when I. I know Apple's pushing it so hard, as are others. Like Dolby Atmos isn't Apple exclusive, but Apple's the one that's really pushing the marketing for it and when it first came out I tried it like I have my AirPods I have my Beats uh, Studio 3s 
the ones that are over ear, which also support it, supposedly. Not the head tracking, but just the spatial audio part. And there are some songs I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, I think Black Skinhead by Kanye works really well in there, as does... I forgot what the other... Weirdly Rush. Um, Tom Sawyer by Rush actually sounds really cool as Pitch Ohio. But I, everything since, I've just been like, I don't want it. Like, I, I, if it turns on when I'm, like, listening with my AirPods or my headphones on my iPhone, the volume's, like, half as loud as a normal song. And it just, it just doesn't do it for me. I don't, I don't know. It's, it is a cool tech demo, but I have, like, no actual interest mm-hmm. in it. I'm very curious what the usage stats are. Like, how much of this is marketing fluff and how much of this is, like, actually people like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Because, like, it is cool where you're like, oh, the drums sound like they're behind me. Now they sound like they're above me. That's cool. But, like, at the end of the day, is it that cool? Not like, really. I really care. <laughs> I personally don't. Not yeah, really. exactly. Another um, thing that they added to this was like, volume control to the stems. Yes, with the mm-hmm. touch. Which yeah. I don't know if the third generation uh, iPods do that. Do you know? I don't think You have what? So. Generation 2? I think I have... I don't even know. I got them, like, with Amex points, <laughs> like, halfway through a product cycle. So I have no... I, I don't remember which ones they are. They might be gotcha, the gotcha. Uh, if they're yeah. the threes, they come in the case but, that looks like the AirPod Pro case. Oh, then no. I have the twos. I have the rectangular. I have the... the or not, sorry. The, the square. I have the much nicer looking square case. I love the square case. The, the, the like, dental The rectangular floss. one's The dental floss case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the dental floss opposed to the um, the little pill. I, I like that. I like know. that. It, they're they're almost the same size. Did you know that? The yeah. the cases? Oh, did they just, just turn it li- sideways? It's just a little taller. Oh well, yeah. okay. Then then maybe I'm maybe I'm being too hard on the. Yeah, it's just it's just a case. little little taller than the uh, yeah. than the regular AirPods case, which I I have. I have a speaking second of, pair of uh, AirPods mainly for my work phone. Speaking of pills, because I said pill sure. shape, um, can we talk about the iPhone and the dynamic island? Oh yeah, AirPod AirPods Pros two. I will probably. Pick, I oh yeah, will, I didn't I mean will, to cut you off. With I will AirPods probably pick Pro, them sorry. up. Um, yeah, I, I love my I love um, my re- AirPod Pros. Uh, noise cancellation is works very very well. You do hear like some humming, but if this new generation improves on that, I will be very, very happy. And it does have that really cool pass-through tech as well that, like, I feel like a lot of headphones do, but from my experience trying other people's AirPod Pros, like, I feel like the AirPods do it better than a lot of them in terms of it sounding, like, not like it's being through a mic and a speaker, but just organically the outside world, which is nice. Um, Real quick thing about the AirPods before we get to iPhone... Uh, who spotted the uh, Severance Easter eggs in the AirPods segment? Kelly from Severance walking onto the train. Just saying. Anyway, great show, Severance. I will get to it eventually. Okay, you should. It's really good. Everyone I've told to watch it when they watch the final episode text me as like, "Oh my god!" (laughs) So like everyone, like it's consistent. So yeah, I actually think you'd really like it, Ken. Um, but yes, iPhone. Actually, before we get to the dynamic island, let's really quick get out of the way the regular iPhone 14. Because there's something interesting they did. Two interesting things they did with the 14, um, in my opinion. One is this is the first time that I could recall that the regular not-pro phone will come in a bigger size like the Pro. 
It was either they only had one type of phone every year and it came in two sizes, or they had two types of phones and only the high-end phone came in the bigger size. This year, the Pro has the Plus. Or sorry, not the Pro. The regular has the Plus. So you can get a 6.1-inch screen or a 6.7-inch screen in non-Pro style, if you will. But the flip side of that is the 14 is also the first time that Apple didn't update the internal chip. This is the first year ever that they are reusing a previous year's chip in the new standard iPhone or in any new iPhone. Um, I think they'll actually, I think the last time I did that was the 3GS. So second time they've done that. It is technically the 13 Pro's chip that they're using in the 14. But basically all the 14 is, from what I can tell, is the 13 Pro minus some stuff. Minus a lens, minus ProMotion, minus, I think, the um, fancier uh, 120Hz screen. A bit more camera wizardry with some adjustments to their kind of like stat, their like pipeline of how they do image wait, wait, processing. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. This new thing called like, yeah. Uh, the new the okay. the base iPhones have the 120 hertz screens though. They don't. No, they, they don't. don't. That's what I'm saying. They took it out. For, it's literally the 13 Pro without the 120 hertz screen. The without that stuff. Yeah, and without ProMotion, without the third camera, and without like they they. It's a weird like it's sort of new, but also not. So I guess really what you're getting is if you want a 13 Pro specs minus a few specs in the price range of a standard iPhone, but maybe at the size of a Pro. Because you get the plus one now. That's kind of what this is. And I'm sure it will do well for like a mass market thing. But like if you're a tech person who's sitting here listening to this. Because let's be real. The casuals tuned out a long time ago. If you're like actually like into this stuff. Like that, this phone is not at all for you. Like it used to be the new iPhone would always be like something new. But this one's really like old stuff recycled. Which maybe is how they're able to not necessarily raise the price on the phone for the U.S., even though they're in other parts of the world. Maybe this is how they combat the chip shortages. Maybe this is how they overcome the issues with uh, inflation. But nonetheless, it's a pretty ho-hum, regular iPhone. But then there's the Pro. And there's the Pro. Or did you have any thoughts on on the regular regular 14? Yeah, okay. It's like whatever. Like, the colors are nice. Cool. Like, the the, the new shade of blue is pretty. Uh, But yeah, then there's there's the the Pro. And then there is the most Apple-y thing. And I love it so much. I and hate I it. Almost. Uh, I hate the. You name. hate it. I, hate I love name. it. Oh, oh, the name. Oh, the, the names, names are atrocious. the worst, dude. So they. <laughs> so it's not just that the name's bad. It's they have iPhone 14 and an iPhone 14 Plus, right? Or you can get the iPhone 14 Pro or the iPhone iPhone 14 Max. Pro yep. Max. But the Plus and Max are the exact same bump from the regulars. They're both just a bigger screen with the exact same specs of their smaller. Of their non. So why is one plus and why is one max? Why? Why? Like I was trying to, I was, um, my girlfriend's sister is not super iPhone savvy at all. And she was texting me like, which phone should I get? And I was kind of walking her through it. And she's like, so the pro max, so the plus is the pro, like it was, it took like seven texts of back and Like this is Nintendo level bad naming from like DSI days and Wii U days, like 3DS, XL, 2DS, like this is horrible naming. If you have things that are just bigger, use the same naming scheme. What are you doing? <laughs> but but the pro itself. Dynamic, Dynamic Island. Dynamic Island. Dumb name, great feature. 
such a dumb name. It's the least... Everyone's like, oh, it's the most Apple-y name in the world. I would argue it's the least Apple-y name because the thing Apple always does with their names is they come up with some silly real-life, like, analogy, right? So, like, expose, back when I was a thing on the Mac, was you, you know, just like an expose exposes everything at once and shows you everything. You get, like, the full, you know, the expose on Princess Diana shows everything or whatever, like, expose showed you all your screens at once stage manager they literally make this if it comes out it seems like it's having some development issues but if they go forward with stage manager the idea was here is the center stage where your apps are and here are the other people side stage and then you bring them to the main stage like there's always these parallels that make sense in the real world control center it's your it's your control center like it all lines up dynamic island is not a thing there's no such thing as a stack island and a dynamic island they are islands so, like, this name is just beyond Apple's usual silliness. But the feature is so cool. Yeah. It is so explain, cool. Explain, explain it, to yeah, like, what the feature is. Oh, I would love to. I, I was nerding out so hard. I thought, like, there are very few moments in Apple conference these days where you're surprised by something genuinely. Like, it doesn't get leaked. Um, yeah, right? This is, or there's some, like, real crazy. magic. This didn't get leaked. Yeah, like... Yeah, so what we knew going into this presentation was they were getting rid of the notch as we know it, and they were putting this, like, it it looks like a sideways lowercase i. So there's, like, this long stretch with some face ID components. So you got, like, the infrared light sensor and the true depth sensor and all that jazz. And then there's a little space, and then there's a single dot, which is the front-facing camera for, like, Mm -hmm. selfies and whatnot. So everyone's like, oh, that's weird. It's, like, a little sideways i. Why is there a gap? It doesn't make sense. And then we learned going up, to the event like in the days up to it oh well they're gonna fill in the gap between those when the screen's on uh which is black because it's using a nice oled screen the pros for the first time um actually will be always on oled screens uh so they will dim and still show you notifications and stuff which very clever apple you roll out widgets for the lock screen for the first time and those widgets are always visible because you have the always on screen look at that synergy but anyway um and so at most it seemed like oh they're gonna fake a pill why didn't just put plastic there who knows then the presentation begins and what it turns out they're doing is that little pill that little place where those are will actually respond to what you're doing and serve as essentially half widget half notification overlay that can appear on everything going on on your phone so when you're listening to music this little pill will expand wider and actually show you album art on the left show you a little soundbar on the right and be like, yes, your phone is playing music right now. And if you touch it real quick, you'll jump straight into the music app. But if you long press on it for a second, it'll actually pull up, a, like the bubble will expand slightly and you have your play controls and volume controls, or not volume, play controls and the, the scrubber for the track right there. Or if you're doing a voice memo, it'll actually show you, yes, it's recording. If you're doing a phone call, it will show, yes, you're on the phone. And if you tap it, it'll jump to the phone. If you long press it, all the phone options that normally require you to go into the app will appear on top of whatever app you're using. So the idea is this essentially live status bar thing can allow you to, and Apple's not framing it this way, but essentially can allow you to do actual true multitasking on your iPhone for the first time. You don't need to switch between apps. You don't need to open the multitasker and alternate back and forth. You don't need to pull down on control center or pull up on uh, you know, notification, whatever. You don't need to do any of that. It's this little bar that will change in shape and size depending on what you're doing that then gives you the ability to, in real time, 
act on stuff. And simultaneously, it will also be something that can give you live information. So if you have a lift coming, there will be a little countdown. It'll have a little lift logo on one side of the Face ID stuff. And on the other side, it will have like two minutes, one minute. And if you long press on it, there's the map of where the car is coming to you. You don't need to go into the app. You don't need to open the multitasking. You don't even need to leave the app you're in. It's just kind of there. And it seems, you know, if you have timers, it can do that. And it seems so simple in concept, but it's, that's what's so amazing about it, I think, is it's such a clever way to not take up anything you're doing on your app because already that space is a status bar. But to do in a really clever way, dynamic, real time, interactive information and tools. It's super it's, cool. It looks super cool. And it, yeah, and that's the thing I didn't explain well. It, they made it really fun. Mm-hmm. Like they made it really like, I don't want to sound like I'm doing marketing speak, but they made it really playful. So like every single app that uses it, like it will expand to slightly different lengths with little different like, um, you know, like different colors for different things. Like the timer's orange, music is like red, like that sort of stuff. Um, third parties will be able to hook into it. Uh, when you do face ID or when you do like scanning like uh, a ticket for an event or, or a airplane ticket, like instead of it being an overlay on the middle screen, it will now expand out from the dynamic island from that little pill area into like a bigger thing. And it all just is basically like here's the hub of anything that ever will overlay at any point in time that is relevant to you that's not just a normal static notification will be on this pill. It's just it's this little like live active area of your phone and they had a lot of fun designing it you could tell and everything just kind of bounces and is playful and it's really cool you gotta see it in motion it's yeah. one of those things that like it's super cool yeah yeah does it it almost convinced me yeah to get the almost phone. right yeah it's tricky because like i'm actually up for my usual two-year cycle i do like not that two-year cycles are a thing anymore in the phone industry but like you know like Verizon doesn't do that anymore, but I have followed that still. So I went from like the 10s to the 12. I would in theory get the 14. I don't know though. Like, it's a really cool feature, and I was watching videos of it, and I was like, "This is cool." But is it a thousand dollars of cool when I really love my 12, especially the fact that I have the Pacific Blue 12, which is a color they don't mm-hmm. make anymore. Like, this is my favorite color iPhone ever. They do have a purple one now called Deep Purple that in some videos looks basically like a slightly like more plum hue of this exact Pacific blue phone I'm holding, but in other features it looks very purple. And I'm nothing as purple. It looks nice, but it's not this shade of blue. So I'm kind of like, Dynamic Island doesn't actually functionality-wise change a whole lot. It does make it easier to do stuff on top of stuff, but like, did I have trouble using the multitasker or jumping or pulling down control center up to this point? No. So yeah, it's nice, but is it like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like a game changer. It's not like when Touch ID came out. I'm like, oh, I can actually, like, pay for things just by tapping my phone to it. Or, sorry, not Touch ID. Um, Apple Pay. Yeah, what? Uh, Apple Pay. Yeah. Uh, like, that was, for me, I was like, that's so cool. I want to get this. And actually, that was the one time I went off my two-year and did a one-year because I really thought that was a cool feature and I wanted to try it. Um, I don't know if Dynamic Island is that. Phones are, frankly, like I was kind of saying at the top about how Apple went, like, infomercial dystopian because that's how they can sell it now. Um, phones are kind of plateauing. Like, yes, the camera's 48 megapixels. That's great. It'll shoot still at 12, apparently, but, like, it has 48 to work with to do, like, dynamic optical zoom or something. That's really cool. Great. I like my cameras on mine. I've never had an issue with them. Maybe some low light, but for the most part, not a huge issue. So, like, do I wait a year and get the dynamic pill in a year? Probably. Like, I don't know. I'm really... The pre-orders go up, actually, in 
four hours as of this recording. <laughs> I'm not planning to wake up to do it. I'm planning to go check out the phone and maybe in person I'll be like, oh, I need to get this. But right now I am actually surprisingly content with keeping my phone as cool as the dynamic pool is conceptually. Dynamic Island. Where where you stand on it. Or yeah, sorry, Dynamic Island. Yeah. How dare uh, I Where do I think? It's a whole where island. I it I, yeah, where it looks stand? super cool. I am. I will be ready for it when I get around to getting the 15 Pro. Welcome to the club. <laughs> See the like running. Yeah, I, I, I currently it's got just, the 13 Pro. Um, oh right, yeah, so, I right. Just, so I just upgraded. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's one of those things that like Apple. There's a few times when Apple just really nails something cool. I think. Um, I haven't tried it for a second, but I remember the demo where they showed how you can like put an iPad next to a Mac and then just move the mouse between them seamlessly. I forgot what they call it. Continuity, I think, uh, like a year ago at WWDC. And I was like, this is like Apple magic. This is so cool. Dynamic Island was one of those moments. But it just, in practice, watching videos, it isn't actually functionally hugely different. What we're talking is like instead of pressing the little green circle around the time when you're on a phone call, you press and hold the middle where there's a picture of a phone and then instead of going to a full screen app to then hit like mute or hang up or whatever, you hit it on a little drop down. Like that's really not a huge difference. I'm sure it for power users you can kind of get a faster flow, but like I don't think that's a thousand dollar difference, yeah, unfortunately. No. So yeah, I think And we didn't talk tight. about how yeah. much it's gonna smudge your front facing camera. Yeah, you know, I just I was thinking that because I sometimes accidentally touch near the notch on my current one. I'm like, oh, and I like wipe it with my shirt. But like, is Apple just assuming they found a way through fingerprints? Like, is it going to smudge? I mean, I don't take a lot of front facing selfies. Yeah, neither do I. I wonder if that's going to be a concern early on. Like, I'm curious how many. Like, you know, there's always like bend gate or antenna gate, smudge or, gate. I wonder if it's going to be yeah. like smudge gate. So yeah. Or you know we gotta stay with the contra the uh, the scandals of the current times, smudge a logo, or something oh. like that. But yeah, I, I <laughs> but yeah, I don't know like what it's gonna. I'm very curious because that's something that I'm sure they thought about, but I'm also sure they don't really anticipate just how gross people's fingers yeah. can be. Mm. Yeah. Well. But yeah, that was Apple. Apple. Fun times. I I love Apple events. It's always so fun. No, I don't some, know. Some, some, I'm a sucker for being marketed to. Oh yeah, no. Sometimes they're not great, but there's this one was really strong, even this, though it didn't have the most mind bending right. stuff. It was, I thought it was really strong. I don't know. I just thought they like, maybe it's just how they presented, but something about I it just felt if, like they're just like. Boom, I think boom, if boom. they did this, in they didn't have filler with the iOS 16 stuff. It would have been a bonkers presentation. Oh yeah, yeah, and that comes out Monday, by the way. So next episode, we should definitely share some impressions on Apple finally allowing kind of opening the doors to really letting you just customize what was previously a very curated yeah. experience you could change your fonts you could change you know your clock font you could change your widgets you can yeah it'll be really interesting to see i know people have the public beta and could probably already say but for someone who's waiting for the official release like a good boy it will be really interesting to see um just how much flexibility because like the apple watch has some cool customability and this is basically that watch face feature on the phone so i'm very curious mm. yeah but, I think that'll yeah. do it for that event, and yeah, that might do it for this episode because yeah. it is one forty in the so. morning. It is. This is our dedication to. You. I like how we started this with Angel can't join us because of scheduling conflicts. Meanwhile, we're like it's one forty time to keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a that, good episode. But my I think. power, um, my circuit breaker, it, like within the first fifteen minutes, tripped, yeah. and my entire power went yeah. out. And thankfully, Audacity like just saved 
the episode. Or else, or else, or else we wouldn't have recorded yeah. this because I, there was no shot that I was going to re-record 13 minutes of. And it's not like we can recapture the magic that was our banter about Panda. Exactly. Inn. Yeah, like that's once in a lifetime. Yeah, so. And you guys out there got to listen to it. So congrats to all oh, of yeah, you. Oh yeah, next episode we'll, really. we'll we'll have gone to a Panda Inn and. Uh, Are we guaranteeing no, that? Not Are by, we doing not that by the next, next two weeks? episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hold up. <laughs> but um, but next episode we should at least hopefully have Angel back. Uh, he does send his regards. We forgot to say it at the top, but he does say hi and he wishes he could be here. Exactly. Uh, he's currently sound asleep, probably, which is something we should do too. Yeah. So uh, I guess to wrap up the episode, um, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this interesting eclectic mix of Apple, Nintendo, and a little Spider-Man. Um, to hear future eclectic mixes of Nintendo and other things, including one thing we didn't talk about today: Splatoon Three. I did the um, world premiere event, but by the time this episode's out, the game's out. So it seems weird to give impressions for a demo that already you know what i mean so next episode we'll have splatoon 3 for sure uh plus who knows what else uh rumors are nintendo direct is coming so to make sure you don't miss it you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app we are on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify tune in iheart radio pandora amazon music uh, our youtube channel is random nintendo com um we are also on twitter at random nintendo where you can you know just get updates on Really, actually, the same thing, just the episode. But you can find us individually on Twitter, too, if you'd like. Uh, I am JSR7 on Twitter. Kevin here is KVN Gomi. Uh, the Spirit of Angel, who is with us at this time, he, he is uh, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And I think that's it for the, the bookkeeping and the show notes. So, Kevin, I'm kicking it back to you for final word. Uh, don't do drugs. Do, do them all. 